explaining like the why behind a lot of the questions that we have. Why does it feel as though there's information that's being kept from us? What I believe does not have to be what you believe. I don't like using the word conspiracy theory. Because the creation of that term was actually a form of manipulation. It's a cognitive thought to question things that are presented to you. There's a lot of people that are starting to try to figure out what the actual fuck, like what the actual fuck is going on with our world. I do think that there's a lot of people out there that have some very valuable information, some very valuable theories, and there's a lot of people that are still regurgitating unintentionally, unconsciously programmed information that hinders your ability to break through the old narrative. And this might help you break through some of those old narratives that just don't apply anymore. In 2019, it was reported there are an estimated 150,000 child sex workers in the United States, which tells me we have a huge pedophilia problem. Sex slavery is happening in every country in the world and masked under different names. Pedophilia is not a legal term, but the legal crimes associated with it include indecent exposure, child pornography, child grooming, and the act of sexual abuse. The word pedophilia comes from the Greek word paido, meaning child, and philia, meaning friendly love. Pedophilia and sex slavery go all the way back to 7th century BC ancient Greece, when a man could be romantically linked with a young boy and it was socially acknowledged. Man-boy love originates from an elite initiation ritual into the military life and the religion of Zeus. Zeus believed in Hellenism, which taught prayers are only words. The real worship came from the offering of sacrifice. Pedophilia was seen as an elite mentorship among the wealthy upper classes. A modern-day version of this is Nambla, North American Man-Boy Love Association, a pederast advocacy group that was started in the late 70s. There is very little history on the subject of pedophilia, and it wasn't officially defined or studied until 1886 by Richard von Kraft Ebbing and Sigmund Freud. Madeline McCann, the little girl who was kidnapped in 2007, was linked to Sigmund Freud's grandson, Clement Freud, a pedophile who admitted to having sex with girls under the age of 10. He befriended the parents of Madeline McCann before she went missing. Freud owned a villa in Praia de Luz, the same resort town where Madeline went missing. Ancient Greek and Roman slaves were bought by the elite and were branded or tattooed. Nixium, the sex trafficking cult led by Keith Rainier and actress Alison 
and Mac branded their cult members with their own initials. The founders of this sex cult were Nancy and Lauren Salzman, Claire Bromfman, and Kathy Russell. Nancy Salzman was a psychiatric nurse who was trained in hypnotism and neuro-linguistic programming. It has been revealed through declassified documents these techniques were used to program mind control victims in Project MKUltra. What's even more disturbing, Nancy Salzman and her daughter Lauren were slave masters, recruiting women and tasked with locking them in dark rooms for years. This type of trauma splits the mind and causes dissociation. All five of the founding members were indicted on federal crimes as of 2019. And as of September 2020, Claire Bronfman was sentenced to 81 months in prison. Historically in America, all political sex abuse scandals have to do with pedophilia, child pornography, eliciting teen prostitution, and rape. At this point, there is no doubting Pizzagate. From the symbols to the creepy social media posts and the connections to Jeffrey Epstein are just overwhelming. Project Monarch was named after the monarch butterfly. The monarch butterfly passes trauma knowledge through genetics to their offspring from generation to generation. Knowledge is power. This discovery is what encouraged German scientists to pursue trauma-based mind control, equally validating that knowledge can and is passed down genetically. They used this to pass down trauma knowledge and secrets genetically onto future victims that are selected for the CIA mind control program. The children are sexually abused, electroshocked, and tortured until their minds shatter, creating amnesic barriers that creates new personalities called alters, in which they are told they are butterflies. Project Monarch is a genealogical approach using genetic psychology and behavioral modification through trauma-based psychological abuse and manipulation resulting in total control of the victim's mind. The original documentation that created this project was derived from collective intensive research previously performed by top SS German Nazi scientists, otherwise known as concentration camps. Extreme trauma causes the brain to form amnesic walls. These walls act as a protective shield of secrecy. This protects the abusers from being found out and prevents the front personalities or alters from knowing they are being used. Formally referred to as multiple personality disorder, it is presently recognized as disassociative identity disorder and is the basis of monarch programming. The first stage begins with in utero traumatization by inducing a premature birth. During the first 18 months, the child is given intense love by the selected caregivers or abusers. Finally, the caregivers or abusers pull that love away and split the mind of the child by using German and Jesuit-developed torture. At 18 months of age, the child is tested to determine if they can dissociate enough to be selected for the program. The child must learn to match identical items even before they can speak. This is so they will start to build mirrored images in their mind. Broken mirrored images are a symbol or indicator that a victim's mind has been shattered and that they are a part of this elite program. As the child gets older, ritual trauma starts. The parents might choose to traumatize them on a specific holiday, particularly their birthday, because that is far more damaging. And when their birthday comes around the following year, they are put back into the memory of abuse. A black mat with a white circle is spread on the floor. The child is taught to stay within the white circle. And if they leave the circle, they are subject to torture that could go on for hours or days to teach them obedience. If they obey, they are rewarded with food or water. Project Monarch is heavily tied with Satanism. This isn't about whether Satanism or the Satanic Panic is real. But the fact is, Satanism is a tool used to trauma 
traumatize children and adults. Satanic imagery is used to traumatize the masses. The top leaders of the mind control program involving Satanism were Anton LaVey and Michael Aquino. Anton LaVey was merely the public agent for Satanism. Uh, would you like me to show them how the sign of the curse works? Sign Completely of the curse? different. How does it go? No, not at you, not at you people out there in the audience, but this is the difference. Aim it toward Red China, would you? <laughs> this is the sign of the horns, a curse sign, the two fingers extended. The other one's one of the pox sign, that's three fingers extended. A pox on you? A pox on you. During the Middle Ages, this was... Yeah. Oh, yes. But originally, Michael Aquino, a high-ranking military officer and member of LaVey's Satanic Church, was a master of black magic, mind control, and psychological operations. Anton LaVey's daughter, Zena, became pregnant at the age of 14 and described her family life as dysfunctional. She has alluded to the abuse which she endured at the hands of her father and called him evil. She severed ties with him and has dedicated her life to helping sexually abused children in Belgium. A rumor popped up that Taylor Swift was the secret child of Zena LaVey. Taylor Swift is another monarch. Her music videos have monarch symbolism everywhere. She has been through public humiliation rituals and went through the good girl gone bad transformation. The book 22 Faces is about the true story of Jenny Hill a woman living with 22 alter personalities caused by traumatic ritual abuse. I bought this book in 2013 for $15, and it is selling on Amazon for almost $900. In the beginning of the book, Jenny lists each one of her alters. Alters 3, 4, and 16 were created when she was just 4 years old to handle the abuse from her father. Her 18th alter has a prominent Southern accent. Many monarch slaves take on personalities with accents. If you've heard Lindsay Lohan speak in an interview lately, you might have noticed she doesn't sound like used to. This is just me holding it with me walking, going. Whereas the paparazzi may be across the street, I didn't know. John Gittinger was a Navy Lieutenant during World War II and specialized in evaluating personalities. He joined MKUltra in the 50s, but went on to work for Project Monarch. He developed the personality assessment system to evaluate and predict human behavior in a child. The test is divided into three dimensions, I for internalizer, F for flexible, and A for adaptive. This assessment could predict whether a child would become a computer programmer, entertainer, assassin, or other CIA asset. If a young boy was overly aggressive, he would be marked for warmonger or future general. If a girl could sing, dance, or had charisma, she would be marked for the entertainment industry. Harmonics and sound waves are used to manipulate human neuron pathways to the subconscious. The brain has four types of brain waves, alpha, beta, delta, and theta. Project Monarch has a program for each brain type. Alpha is agenda-based programming. Beta is sexual programming. Delta is specific programming for assassins, special agents, or soldiers. Theta is psychic programming. In the movie, The Butterfly Effect, the cast plays a group of young adults who were psychologically traumatized as children, being coerced by one of the neighborhood parents to take part in child pornography. This leads the main character to have blackouts and amnesia, which is a sign of beta programming. Beta programming is the ultimate sex slave program. Cat alters come out at this level known as kitten programming. Abusers of this programming are known to wear red shoes. Clothing with feline prints denotes kitten programming, and you can see it everywhere in Hollywood. In the music video Fade by Kanye West, the couple in the music video was fornicating in front of their baby. Tiana Taylor transforms into a cat. Tiana said, the video is way deeper than most people can process, but I'd like for them to figure it out. The book, 
How the Illuminati Creates an Undetectable Total Mind Control Slave was written by Cisco Wheeler with the help of Fritz Springmeier. Cisco Wheeler was born into the Illuminati program. Her father was an Illuminati Grandmaster and 33 degree Freemason. Her uncle, Earl Wheeler, was a United States Army General and head of the American military during Vietnam. Her family are direct descendants of President Ulysses Grant. In an interview, Cisco said, My abuse started by traumatization in the womb. Then I was sexualized as an infant. President Eisenhower was the first president I remember. It started with a friendship and light touching. Then I was passed around to entertain governors, ministers, and mayors. That led me to the royal family. All U.S. presidents are born within the same bloodline, which makes them the perfect contenders for projects monarch mind control. Cisco was asked what happens if a president doesn't fall in line, and she said, look what happened to Kennedy. JFK's assassination was indeed layered with many purposes, one of them being to traumatize people on a mass scale. Just go ahead and ask anybody who was old enough to remember that day, and they can tell you exactly where they were and what they were doing when it happened. It was after JFK's assassination and speculation began to occur, they invented the term conspiracy theory. Nowadays, we don't see assassination like Kennedy's. However, we do see the slander and murder of a person's name through the media to discredit and redirect anything that goes against their narrative. The Kennedy family were all subjected to trauma-based mind control. JFK wrote, My mother was never there when we needed her. She never held me or hugged me. Never, never. My mother was a nothing. This clear intention of neglect is highly practiced. JFK tried breaking out of the mind control system by marrying Doree Malcolm. In the book, The Dark Side of Camelot, it is revealed that the Vatican had this marriage secretly annulled and destroyed any legal record of it. Cisco went on to say, there are over 2 million sleepers in America. Sleepers meaning MKUltra victims waiting to be triggered to activate. She said all 2 million of them will be used during the end time scenario. If people don't understand mind control, they will never realize what's happening to their churches, schools, or politics. But I believe there will be a time when people start to wake up. And this interview was in 1998. Andy Jones is the first MKUltra sex slave victim to go on record, which we now recognize as Project Monarch. Candy Jones eventually started recalling morbid memories of being sexually abused by her parents and shared memories of being isolated in dark rooms, not being able to socialize with children, and suffered physical abuse. Her husband had her participate in hypnotherapy. During these sessions in the 1960s, she revealed she was groomed by the CIA and military with torture and painful sadomasochistic sex. She said she participated in sexual blackmail and delivered messages for the CIA. There are many levels of mind control that has developed throughout time. Those who are in government or Hollywood programs, while yes, they do suffer much more of a gruesome form of trauma, they are being groomed to program the masses who watch and then idolize them by use of a much more subtle type of programming. This has been found to be able to help control the way society evolves and behaves, always being guided within the controlled narrative. Let's take a look at how this is done. The casting couch is a euphemism for soliciting sex for acting roles. Marilyn Monroe once said, Hollywood is an overcrowded brothel. Lisa Rinna once said, 
just pull your panties down, bend over, and the role is yours. Actress Clara Bow had a Hollywood contract with Paramount Pictures that included having orgies for the entire USC football team and performing in satanic bestiality rituals. According to Peter Lawford, Nancy Reagan was known as the Hollywood blowjob queen before she was ever in Washington. Her nickname was Just Say Yes, Nancy. Jim Morrison was a Project Monarch victim. His dad, Captain George Stephen Morrison, was responsible for initiating the Gulf of Tonkin incident, a false flag to get the United States engaged in the Vietnam War. Jim Morrison's alter egos were named the Lizard King and Mr. Mojo Rising, all sexual in nature. In the Doors song, The End, Jim sings about wanting to have sex with his mother before he commits suicide. He once said of the song, sometimes life is too painful to tolerate. I was saying goodbye to my childhood. Life hurts more than death. But why would he sing about fornicating with his mom? Incest seems to be a major theme associated with Project Monarch. Since 2016, there has been a rise in incest porn thanks to HBO's Game of Thrones. But remember when Ted Cruz liked an incest porn video on Twitter? Pornhub's vice president, Corey Prince, said, Now our fans can check out the same video a presidential nominee and current senator watched in its entirety. And because of this, we learned that Pornhub tracks every video and every user. And how can we forget the famous kiss between Angelina Jolie and her brother James? When asked about why he was still single, he said, I'm so close to Angie that I've already got the perfect girl in my life. Rob Kardashian once said Sister Kim was his biggest crush growing up, and he tweeted that Chloe was his woman crush Wednesday. Chloe responded by saying, incest is best. The Kardashian sisters also have contests where they smell their to determine which one smells the best. When asked about this, Chloe said, why wouldn't we smell them? It was Kris Jenner who encouraged Kim to make a sex tape and pose for Playboy, but it didn't end there. Remember the awkward photos of Kim attending the Vienna Ball with billionaire Richard Lugner? He paid her $500,000. And I'd just like to pose the question, what kind of mother encourages this? Brie Luna, a Los Angeles-based witch and Instagram influencer, was once asked who she thinks the most realistic witch is, and she said, Chris Jenner. In the 90s, Chris once sold magical ritual manifestation candles for $100. Check out the butterfly. Kim has been photographed with Marina Abramovich, a famous witch and spirit cooker. Even Kendall Jenner says being a witch is a lifestyle. Did you know the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski, spent 200 hours as a test subject for MKUltra at Harvard? Did you know afterwards he wanted to have gender reassignment surgery? Is Caitlyn Jenner really living her truth? Or was she part of an MK ultra experiment. Stephanie Seymour, supermodel and ex-girlfriend of Axl Rose, has an open incestuous relationship with her two sons. They have been photographed kissing and groping on the beach. Her photo shoots with her sons are extremely disturbing and unnatural. Psychiatrists would label this as trauma bonding. Trauma bonding is part of monarch mind control. Stephanie Seymour has given her sons an Oedipus complex at the highest levels. By Oedipus complex, I mean she has trained them to never leave her and perhaps groom them to serve elite circles as child sex slaves. Strange photos started to surface on the internet of Anderson Cooper and Carter Cooper in bed with their mother, Gloria Vanderbilt. The photos depict the children in bed with satanic themes. Anderson Cooper went on to become the primary news anchor for CNN and Carter threw himself off a building, resulting in suicide when he was 23. Before Gloria Vanderbilt died, she used to call Kathy Griffin her daughter. When Gloria Vanderbilt died, Kathy Griffin said she knew Gloria better than Anderson Cooper did. 
These comments led to much speculation that perhaps Kathy was really a secret Vanderbilt or the real Carter Cooper. Conspiracy, yes, but a strange one. Kathy and Anderson used to host the New Year's Eve live show for CNN, but had a public falling out. This weird painting owned by John Podesta was rumored to be Anderson Cooper as a young boy. The resemblance is uncanny. Gloria Vanderbilt had a collection herself that she called Dream Boxes. This art was made by Gloria and the monarch themes are so obvious. It was also alleged that Brittany Murphy had an incestuous relationship with her mother, and it was up to Brittany to support her financially. It was rumored that Brittany, her husband Simon, and Brittany's mother all slept together in the same bed before they died. Heather Locklear was born into a Disney family. Her mother was a Disney executive and abuser. Heather married Richie Sambora of Bon Jovi and had a daughter, Ava. They got divorced when Sambora allegedly learned of the incestual relationship Heather started with her daughter when she was only four. It was rumored that Heather was sleeping with Charlie Sheen, and to please Charlie, Locklear would include a four-year-old Ava in their sex sessions. It was around the same time Denise Richard filed for divorce from Charlie after discovering child porn on his computer. Richie Sambora and Denise Richard started dating right after their divorces. Perhaps they had a sad and tragic event that brought them together. Heather was awarded joint custody after a devastating battle with Richie, but was arrested for choking her mother out thereafter. The Catholic Church has a systemic problem of sexual abuse of children and nuns. A 2019 documentary, Sex Slaves in the Catholic Church, was banned from broadcasting in Europe. The first cases of sexual abuse in the Catholic Church were reported in the 1540s, the same decade the Jesuits became an organization. Illuminati began infiltrating the churches in the 1940s. Illuminati men would marry Catholics. Lutherans, and Pentecostals, and infiltrate that way. These infiltrators were trained by the Jesuits using black magic to weaken the strength of the Holy Spirit within the church. Kathy O'Brien, a Project Monarch whistleblower, claims her father abused her from infancy and all of her siblings. Her older brother went on to rape her during her youth. She grew up in Muskegon, Michigan, which she called pedophile capital. When her father got caught distributing child pornography, he was propositioned to sell his kids into the Monarch program, which he did. Her father was offered a deal by President Gerald Ford, and Kathy was prostituted to Canadian Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau, Michigan State Senator Guy Vanderjot, Gerald Ford himself, and West Virginia Senator Robert Byrd, who eventually became her owner and handler. In Kathy's book, Transformation of America, listen to what Kathy said about the Jesuits. There is a criminal faction within the Catholic Church who call themselves the Jesuits, which is the intelligence arm of the Vatican where Project Monarch stems from. Kathy's mind control was Wizard of Oz programming. The phrase, somewhere over the rainbow, was heard after the abuse to get her to dissociate. Watch 22-year-old Demi Moore kiss 14-year-old actor Philip Tanzini and pay attention to the song. Okay, one more time. This is no coincidence. Demi Moore was raped at 15 and had three children with actor Bruce Willis. Demi was notorious for sharing nude pictures of her and her children in the bathtub, and now in their adulthood they still bathe together. This is Hollywood trying to normalize incest. Bryce Taylor, another Project Monarch whistleblower, came out with a bombshell book called Thanks for the Memories. The PDF is free online for anyone to read. She said that all Monarch slaves tattoo themselves, and you will find many of them have butterflies. And until 1985, really, I thought I was living a perfect life. I thought I had a perfect childhood. 
I thought I had, you know, perfect parents and family and that my, my family that I married was perfect. It couldn't have been farther from the truth. My multiple personality condition resulted from what I had first thought in 1986 was solely sexual and ritual abuse. But as I began to remember and heal more of my hidden past, I realized that ritual abuse was merely the mind control, trauma-based my pedophile father and others used to condition me for participation in Project Monarch, the Central Intelligence Agency's white slavery operation. Mind control sex slaves are created by um, starting with a child from birth and inducing trauma, which for me was done in the form of being sexually abused and then being satanically abused within a church um, and then also at home where I was put through a trial of satanic rituals which means um, there were blood rituals done where I was forced to witness um, animals and people being sacrificed and then things such as in the church I was uh, sexually abused by the minister there and a lot of it was a cover for pornography and then child prostitution that was looked like I was going to choir practice, but once um, the doors were closed to the area where we did that, we were taken down the basement and it turned into um, kitty porn where we were being filmed. After I fled from California, I began having vivid detailed memories of being used as a sex slave to some of our nation's highest level government officials. Among them were John F. Kennedy, Lyndon Baines Johnson, Nelson Rockefeller, Henry Kissinger, Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, George Bush, and top entertainment professionals such as my owner, Bob Hope. The truth is that there are slave auctions that very elite people attend to be able to own and buy the best mind control slaves uh, that, that money can buy. Frank Sinatra was Bob Hope's friend and he actually was um, the person that was in charge of me a lot when I was in Las Vegas on assignment. Um, I would be taken there to be prostituted to Elvis or to um, some of the other entertain entertainers there during the shows. Um, uh, Dean Martin, uh, Bing Crosby, um, Sammy Davis Jr. and all types of different situations and I would be taken to different parties where they were where they were at where then I was prostituted or they would make some pornography or something. Bryce Taylor mentioned in her book that her mother would take her to sex slave auctions for Illuminati families that appeared to be children's fashion shows. It made me think of this photo I once saw of Paris and Kathy Hilton. Their mother, Kathy, was best friends with Michael Jackson. Paris said she spent a lot of time with him as a kid. But why is Paris Hilton at the White House with Nancy Reagan as a baby? Nikki Hilton grew up to marry a Rothschild, and her Instagram feed is filled with images of cats, dolls, and pizza. Paris Hilton came out with a bombshell YouTube video revealing the traumatic abuse she suffered as a teenager. She was sent to the Provo Canyon Boarding School in Utah with parental consent 
apartment, she was kidnapped from her own bed in the middle of the night and sent away for a year. While she was there, she suffered verbal, physical, and sexual abuse. And when she left, she emerged as the Paris Hilton that we know today. The troubled teen industry is worth billions and caters to the elite and upper-class families. These are all over the country disguised as boarding schools, wilderness schools, and charm schools. All kids come out of these environments with post-traumatic stress, which makes them entirely more vulnerable for mind control. Anthony Kidman, father of Nicole Kidman, was Jesuit educated, serial rapist, and Project Monarch programmer. Fiona Barnett, an Australian whistleblower, came out with the bold claim that her and Nicole were ritually abused by Kidman and was forced to participate in human sacrifice. After the story broke, Kidman fled to Singapore, where he suddenly died. It makes you wonder why Stanley Kubrick casted Nicole in Eyes Wide Shut. Jimmy Saville, the British TV and radio personality, turned out to be one of Britain's most prolific pedophiles and psychopaths. He was very close with the royal family, even acting as an informal marriage counselor to Princess Di and Charles. He was accused of sexually abusing over 450 victims by his death, and those were the ones who came forward. He was knighted by Pope Paul II in 1990. In 2017, Harvey Weinstein, who was nicknamed God and reigned as one of the most powerful Hollywood producers, was exposed during the Me Too movement by more than 80 women. This triggered the phenomenon, which is now dubbed the Weinstein effect, where powerful men all over the world were being called out for their sexual deviances and perversion. In 2009, Courtney Love posted this on Facebook. Britney's dad molested her. Imagine the father that molested molested you, owning you for slavery, while you're forced to sing songs picked for their sexual content every night. Insane, right? Britney started her career with Disney and was under management by pedophile Lou Pearlman. Jamie Lynn Spears, Britney's younger sister, was on Nickelodeon and close with pedophile TV producer Dan Schneider. She got pregnant at 15 and rumors circulated that the baby really belonged to Dan. Amanda Bynes, another Disney and Nickelodeon child star, accused her father of sexually abusing her when she was young and saying he should be in jail. Like Brittany, Amanda has a conservatorship with her father. She suffered from public meltdowns, drug problems, eating disorders, and became famous for crazy Twitter rants. She sent a letter to her lawyer, cryptically capitalizing certain letters of the email, and it spelled out, Dan did it. Hillary Hawkins, former Nickelodeon child actor, released the molestation monologue saying they are based on true stories. Ariana Grande, former Nickelodeon child actor, was notoriously exploited on the show Victorious for talking about being wet all the time and putting her own toes in her mouth to appease Dan's foot fetish. Jeanette McCurdy, former Nickelodeon child actor, created a YouTube channel where she shares her own personal videos. One video is titled, He Touched Me, and wrote in the description, that it is autobiographical. Dan Schneider recently deleted over 4,200 tweets regarding children and his foot fetish. You can see them all online through various threads. But it wasn't just him at Nickelodeon who were into kids. Ezel Channel, Marty Weiss, Brian Peck were all arrested at different times in their career. Disney child actor Orlando Brown accused Will Smith of raping him and that Michael Jackson set the whole thing up. And of course, we've seen the weird incest videos of Will Smith kissing his son on the lips. Macaulay Culkin, another Disney child actor, started a band called the Pizza Underground. All of their songs were super weird and just have images of pizza. Was he hinting at something? Corey Feldman and Elijah Wood have addressed Hollywood's pedophilia problem in many interviews and articles. The suicides of Soundgarden lead singer Chris Cornell and Linkin Park lead singer Chester Bennington, who were in the middle of producing the documentary, The Silent Children. 
exposing human sex trafficking. Both men suffered from sexual abuse as children. There have been rumors that Chester Bennington was the son of John Podesta. So can we start at the beginning and, and uh, can you tell us the story of, of, of what's happened in your life from, from the very start? The Aryans, the Aryans and, and the purity of the blood and what, it, what it's all about is that the blood and the menstrual blood contains something that is important for the propagation of this race that is controlling things on this planet. In 2020, there isn't any institution that hasn't been touched by Satan or the mind control programs associated with it. Our churches, our schools, colleges, our entertainment, and our government. And the real question is, why do so many men and women in positions of power require lots of sex with a variety of people, especially children? We do have to experience things on a micro level before we can understand them on a macro level. That's essentially what my book is. The first 13 chapters is written in a way that I didn't know I was writing it in this way, but it is the main experiences that happen throughout my life for me to understand not only spiritual communication, but also in order for me to understand what a generational cycle is, how deep this quote-unquote rabbit hole goes and the why behind it all, which is how I operate. I want to know why. I had to experience it firsthand. What usually happens for me is, again, when I channel, I go back and I read it and then I will go online to see if there's anything comparable or if there's terms that I don't know, I'll go online and look them up to make sure that I have a proper understanding. So that is a main reason why I go through such a large portion of explanation because that was also my process. since the end of 2019 starting in 2020 and obviously that date is pretty important to most people in humanity. We like our information to be in a 90 second video. Unfortunately that's just not how I operate so I hope that this reaches people that can lengthen their attention span and follow the clues throughout. There's always a rhyme or a reason why I start in one place or another when I talk about information. I'm going to start with a goddess named Sekhmet. Now Sekhmet Sekhmet is known as the Lionhead Goddess, and in order to understand my experience with her, I have to explain what is common knowledge in regards to her legend. But there's things that I'm going to point out within this story. Before we get to Sekhmet, we have to acknowledge Mayat. Now, Mayat is an Egyptian goddess and concept of truth, justice, harmony, balance, and most importantly, 
cosmic order. She is respectfully interchangeable with the concept and embodiment of Mother Earth or Mother God. Mayat is generally depicted with wings and a peacock feather. A peacock feather is very common symbolism that we see displayed throughout the media today. But this peacock feather in Egyptian mythology is weighed against the soul after the soul leaves the physical body to determine whether or not that soul can move forward to the afterlife. Anubis is important to mention here as well. He is known as the Wolfhead God, best recognized for working beside Mayat, assisting souls to the afterlife after the weighing of the soul ceremony takes place. And then we have Ra. Ra is known as the Sun God, also respectfully interchangeable with the embodiment of Father God. Next, there's Isis and Osiris. Now, Isis is often known as the goddess or embodiment of magic. Osiris, her husband, god of the underworld in Egyptian mythology. In my experience with them, they are twins. They are the manifestation of Mayat and Ra into mind-body-spirit experience or the underworld. See, we tend to get caught up in a lot of the terms and the phrases, but I ask that you stay open to them because I try to express them in different ways with different terms so that we understand the base of the meaning. But mythology states that together, Isis and Osiris had a son named Horus. Now, Horus is said to be the embodiment or bridge between heaven and earth, or enlightenment. The myth of Osiris and Isis and Horus do tend to share a similar concept to which we see throughout all cultures and religions, especially Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. This is important. Isis has three main personas or roles that she will embody, which are identified by three different names in the Egyptian mythology that we know. Respectfully, I have to add that she is known as the goddess of 10,000 names. Personally, I know her by her original name, Sophia. Isis, or Sophia, is the female embodiment of all goddesses throughout all religions and cultures that humanity has experienced. The first recognition and worship of a goddess was the bee goddess. Again, going back to the roles or personas that Isis will be recognized in within Egyptian mythology, there is Hathor. Hathor is the goddess or embodiment of a woman's love and beauty within home and hearth. She's often depicted and associated as a golden calf. Now, in Native American mythology, we can see an association with the white buffalo woman. Then we have the next persona or role, and that is Beset or Bass. She is known as the goddess or embodiment of female fertility and ability to create, and she's often depicted as a cat. And that brings us to Sekhmet, the third role or persona. She is often one of the oldest and most well-known Egyptian goddesses and is the embodiment of the fire within or the kundalini energy. She's also comparable to Hindu religions and cultures as Kali. I've heard people refer to Kali as a demon, and we're going to get into why I do not believe that that's accurate. Getting back to Sekhmet, more often than not, people will associate her with death and destruction and rebirth. And she's depicted as a lioness, a lion-head goddess. And from what we know, Sekhmet translates into the powerful one and equally protector of Mayat. In Egyptian mythology, there was originally 44 gods and goddesses. This is what we're taught. And when Egypt split, they became 88. Those are the ones that I am most acquainted with throughout my own personal experience. Basically, the people of Egypt became disharmonized, if you will, or they started living a very imbalanced way of life. Essentially, they weren't following the cosmic universal laws that were set in 
into place by Mayat to maintain the balance and harmonization within the experience, right? So in Legends, it says that Ra created Sekhmet from the center of his being or from the apple of his eye, depending on what text you're reading or how it was translated, right? And this was done in efforts to correct the imbalance. Now, it's also important to know that many gods and goddesses in the legends of Egyptian mythology were created in similar fashions, the apple of Ra's eye. But Sekhmet's story says that she was first created as a serpent, and then later she became depicted as a lion. Now, I have to point out the similarities that we see just as you know, Isis and Osiris and Horus and Jesus and Mary and Joseph. But in this particular part of Sekhmet's story, we hear the apple of the eye so frequently in many different cultures and many different concepts. For example, in Psalm 17 of the King James Version, David is said to have written, Keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me under the shadows of your wings. But in esoteric belief systems, the concept states that the consciousness within the tree of life is replicated within the human chakra or energy centers, right? Just keep in mind too that, and I know that this is a lot to follow, but the chakras or energy centers are more or less understood as like our spiritual DNA compared to our physical DNA. But again, going back to the esoteric concept, the consciousness within the tree of life, again, is replicated within the human chakras. And when the chakras of the body are aligned properly, your energy field will form a sacred geometric shape in the form of a torus field, or some people will call this an apple-shaped vortex. And within this concept, the apple vortex is depicted as a serpent that rises upwards from the base of the spine, from the root chakra all the way up to the third eye chakra. The third eye chakra or the pineal gland is shaped like a pine cone, again, within symbology that's important because that's always shown to us, but it opens up and expands our consciousness. The serpent or the kundalini guards and protects this energy center from then on. So in other words, enlightenment occurs. And even in a non-religious perspective, we can correlate the apple of the eye that is an expression of love. Anyways, getting back to the story, okay? Sekhmet begins to destroy everything when she's created. Everything and everyone, not just those that were living within imbalance and disharmony. The myth goes on to say that she covers Egypt in blood. Ra tries to stop her, but she was so filled with rage, right? Like she had that tunnel vision. So Ra poured thousands of jugs of beer stained with pomegranate juice into the Nile River, coloring it as red as blood to basically fool her. That's the story. Goes on to say she thought it was blood, so she drank it. She became so intoxicated that she slept for three days. Well, the three-day thing and the rising is something that we see repetitively throughout myths, legends, cultures, religions. So when she awakens and she has this realization, she then transforms. So then she starts protecting the children of Egypt in times of chaos and she just destroys the causes of fear and rage and imbalances instead of just destroying everything, right? So that's the basis of Egyptian mythology and Sekhmet. 
Now, I know a lot of this maybe you're not too interested in, but it is important because there's always been the idea that we have to separate science and spirituality, but they really do go hand in hand. Science suggests that this universe, based off what we know, the information that we have provided for us, it's approximately 13 billion years old. Earth is approximately 4.5 billion years old. So geologists will divide those into eras. Now, the term Paleozoic, from what we know, has been derived from the Greek words paleos, which means ancient, and zo, meaning life. This particular era spans around 200 million years from 542 to 252 million years ago, and it's said that it's the largest one in terms of time span. Science will also say that this is the first eon that marks the beginning of life on our planet. So this is the beginning of marine life, reptiles, amphibians, so on and so forth. Things began to evolve. And It's also said that this is when continents started to form. Now, the Paleozoic era can be divided also into six periods, Cambrian, Ordovician, Silvarian, Dionovan, Permian, and another one that I can't pronounce, Carbonfinius, if I'm saying that right. Even though there had been mass extinctions, according to what science says prior to this, when this era ended, it is said that it's the largest of all mass extinctions that ever took place. Now, this extinction is said to have wiped out most species of plant and animal life and all that other stuff. And although it occurred on a larger scale, that's when science says that new life began to emerge about 30 million years later. And again, the shifting of tectonic plates and the formation of mountains and coal beds and all that other stuff. This is when the supercontinent then divided into smaller continents, forming several basins and small oceans in between all the land portions, right? So at the end of the Permian era, all of these land masses are said to have merged again, and they formed a supercontinent that a lot of people are very familiar with, especially in regards to the spiritual community called Pangea. Pangea is said to have existed approximately 225 million years ago. So let's assume that the majority of our scientific understanding of Earth's creation and the universe is accurate. And let's factor in what some of us, most of us, anybody that's probably listening to this, recognize as Atlantis and Lumerian time spans. The reason I say that is because they are also said to have occurred around the same time, 225 million years ago. It is said that during this time, we had total use of our minds, we had complete remembrance of our connection to the one supreme being of all, and that granted humanity as a whole the ability to co-create and manifest as one without so much of a time lag, if you will, like we have now. It's said that we used, you know, both sides of our brain, left and right, equally, thus masculine and feminine qualities were equal within our mind-body-spirit experience. And then it's said, too, that 225 million years ago, we walked in pure wisdom, harmony, and balance. We've come to call this, like, the golden age. Now, during said golden age, the story goes that we were highly evolved or spiritually conscious beings. And there's a term that's widely used within the spiritual community of anybody that talks about Atlantis and Lumerian times, where there was a group of people 
known as the law of one society. So humanity was thought to have incarnated for the simple reason to experience culture and artistic expression through diversity in pursuit of their soul's evolution back to oneness, right? Now, in this concept of the golden age, it suggests that there was no need for karma to play a role in our incarnations or during our mind-body-spirit experiences here. And it's said that the location of Poseidon would have been located somewhere in the mid-Atlantic and in that same location they say that there was a crystalline power grid and I had channeled similar information in regards to a crystalline power grid like a lot of people term it to be but when I had channeled it from Sekhmet she referred to it as an interdimensional passageway so when people talk about this crystalline power grid or interdimensional passageway they always explain it as being very advanced and a very complex technology right now the golden age itself based off what we know was said to have thrived for 200,000 years and during the last phase of this time frame that supercontinent is said to have split into five islands states and governments were said to have taken shape thereafter and theories also suggest that with the evolution of humanity as a whole now evolving separately in these five islands that's when there started to be like elected leaders to rule each of the islands creating different classes of beings or people along with different cultures that were practiced therein and that's where the law of one society comes in because they say that there was two incredibly opposing principles practices belief systems and people that started to form after this one known as the law of one right predominantly on the island of Poseidon and then they say there's the sons of Belial which was based on the island of Iran now a little side note on this you know when you're looking into these things it's important that we break down the language. Belial is a Hebrew word often understood as lacking worth and it comes from two common words one meaning without and the other meaning to be of value so without value. In the Hebrew Bible it can also be translated into lawless men and I will point out too within Catholicism it is suggested to be another name for Satan and sometimes interchangeable with the devil and we'll kind of get to that and why that would be important soon. Either way in this theory it says that the sons of Belial became the most populated of all the people and they were engrossed in materialism and power driven to utilize materialism and power for mass influence or control but then when you're looking into this theory the question then becomes what were they trying to control and why right so the theory goes on to say that the law of one they dwindled and became like a smaller population but they did continue to practice their original ways of life. And they were not seekers of power, but rather they tried to maintain the balance and harmony of oneness. So again, we're starting to see, even through this theory and other cultures and belief systems and religions, there seems to be that common theme. So as populations grew and obviously everybody started to evolve, they suggest that humanity as a whole began to fall into this downward spiral of of this new way of life through greed, self-glorification, power, material gain, separation, you know, versus what was before, which was wisdom, unity, harmony, balance, abundance, oneness, all that stuff. And so as humanity continued to evolve, they grew more and more accustomed to focusing their attention on lower level energies as a whole, like 
like self-glorification power, material gain, all that stuff. Now it's said through this story or this legend that behind closed doors these people, these elected leaders of the sons of Belial continued to practice what once was the collective knowledge of oneness within creation, all the rituals therein, and they continued to use the crystal grid line and the people's elected leaders slowly gained control over the empires and and they started killing and bribing and publicly condemning those that didn't embrace the new way of living. And again, we're finding a common theme here. As time continues, it's said that the surviving law of one society or those that refuse this new way of living migrated to Egypt, the Middle East, Ireland, France, and parts of what we call the United States. For generations thereafter, those who descended from the law of one tried their best to retain and pass down their knowledge of what once was, but they also did this in secret or in code. And it's said through legends that the descendants of the law of one vowed to return one day. A lot of this and the stories and the synchronicity and the patterns, it's all in my book, Raised by Spirit, which is available on my website at soulevolution.com. Essentially, around 2018, I was going through a very difficult time, and I started to see all these lions everywhere, and I started to look into the symbology of lions, uh, Native American myths and meanings, and then I came across this book by Nikki Scully, and it's called Sekhmet Transformation in the Belly of the Goddess. And it everything just clicked. I started to look into her stories. There was a part in this book where it talked about if you ask Sekhmet to help you with a situation, a negative, difficult, challenging situation, that she had the ability to devour that and help the process of healing. And so I kind of practiced that and had some amazing, amazing experiences and she never really left after that. And this is where it gets important. She said the following, This new age or new awareness that we are embarking upon isn't about a world literally being split into two where some quote-unquote ascend in the physical and some don't. That is a different approach for the same old narrative. Through the acceptance and blind participation and integration of artificial intelligence and disconnect from the one supreme being of all. That thought process is patriarchal, dividing, and the old way of thinking, the way collectively you are moving away from, and why you are breaking old cycles. This new age is a new awareness and simply a new cycle. It is about gaining the awareness of self on a larger scale and understanding your soul's journey therein. That perception to which you choose will determine where you are in the ascension process throughout entering the new age. This new age is being referred to as the fifth dimension. That is incorrect. You are collectively moving into the fourth dimension of a mind-body-spirit experience while living in a heart-centered awareness. She goes on to say, The practice of manifestation and meditation will allow you to reprogram your energetic frequencies to higher levels, the goal being to raise the level of energy collectively that you exist and live in to a heart-centered awareness. Within time, this practice allows you to effortlessly live in higher vibrational frequencies. Meditation and manifestation are two main techniques and ingredients required to master as you enter the new era and new cycle. For hundreds and thousands of years in previous eras and cycles, 
you collectively manifested and co-created your reality. Unfortunately, collectively, you have done so without much conscious intention and without being centered in the heart. You have left that responsibility up to elected leaders to decide for you. No two people live in the same reality because no two people perceive life exactly the same way and no two people have the exact same journey. You are all manifesting and now you are all starting to take responsibility of your ability to choose how you co-create your own life experience. You are the one supreme being of all experiencing life and evolution therein as the many collectively. The lower vibrational perception, thought process, and limited awareness of your life experience within duality has been collectively placing you in bondage. This cycle and era is comparable to a process where you are slowly dissolving that collective bondage. You are simply moving into a new time where more and more people are transcending lower vibrational energy, breaking old cycles, raising awareness, and more importantly, making a conscious choice. This is why you see more and more people walking away from old patterns, breaking generational cycles, and walking away from a lower vibrational patriarchal society. Oneness has never meant being the same. Oneness is a void of consciousness containing totality. A heart-centered experience and reality is the new cycle of experiencing your journey back to oneness of self. So one thing that's really important for everyone to kind of understand and something that I came to understand throughout this process is that when Sekhmet came through, she tends to come through and answer questions that have not been asked yet. She was talking about meditation and manifestation required to quote unquote master. Now meditation reprograms our thought process. Our thought process will determine the energy that we are vibrating at, if you will. So essentially she's implying that collectively we have to reprogram, which implies that collectively we've been programmed. She did keep referring to cycles and eras, and that will be extremely important going forward. And again, another key thing to keep in mind in regards to this first particular channeling is that she talks about taking accountability to choose, about dissolving bondage to limited perceptions and making a conscious choice allowing awareness for a new cycle and new patterns in a heart-centered reality to take place. So those are a couple really, really important things to keep in mind. In April of 2021, Sekhmet had returned and she was accompanied by Metatron. Now Metatron is somebody who is recognized in Jewish culture as Metatron, but he's also recognized in Catholicism as Enoch. Enoch was the person said to have written the book of creation. Enoch is a great, great grandfather of Noah. He was advised to write the book of creation and God told him that he would make sure it would survive the floods and it would get to Noah and all this other stuff, right? That's what we know. That's, that's what's on like Google and in the books and in the general information. Throughout time, we've been taught through different like cultures and evolution and religions and everything like we we humanize God. 
We humanize the one. We even humanize the idea of the universe. And I think we humanize it, at least, you know, I humanize things because it does help us understand things um, better. Sure. But to humanize the grand totality of everything, of infiniteness, right, um, would be foolish. It would just be absolutely foolish. So we have to understand, like, when we humanize things, it's okay, but we also have to understand that we, when we humanize the idea of something or understanding something, we are placing limits on something that is limitless, okay? And I think right now we just lack the comprehension and ability to really comprehend what infinite totality is, what God is, because... We're not there yet. We're infants in that level of understanding. So if you can imagine this infinite, endless, cosmic tree, right? Tree of life. And at the very top of this tree, just imagine there being like this light or this ball of energy or whatever. And we're going to call that the one supreme being of all infinite totality. It's where everything began. Okay. Now I will say that the one supreme being of all again is something that it's a term that was given to me channeled, right? So, and I think the reason that they, I don't know if it's because they did this for me specifically or because collectively, like we get triggered by certain words. Like if I say the word God, there's going to be people that will automatically scroll. There will be people that automatically shut it off. Even in conversations, you say the word God and people are like, nope, defense mechanisms, they're up. Anyways, that's where all creation began. So we have a, we have a point in time and space, tip top of that tree life. So at one point, Within endless time, the one supreme being of all decided it wanted to experience itself. It wanted to learn and understand itself. So in order to do so, it had to do two things. It had to experience outside of itself. And in order to do that, it had to be able to create. In order to do those two things, the best way that I can explain it or that we can kind of comprehend it is it had to separate from itself. The, the word they used was it had to fraction itself from itself. And, you know, we can theorize why maybe the one tried and wanted to know, you know, itself. I don't think anybody has the answer to that. Regardless, at that point in time, which who knows how long ago that was, right? Because the universe is like 13 billion years old, just this universe. And we're going to get to the fact that, you know, we're not the only universe. I think most people can accept that. But what they said was when the one fractioned itself from itself, that's when souls were created. Now, again, going back to humanizing spirituality or energy or whatever, we have been conditioned and taught through belief systems that to be a soul means you're automatically human or you're automatically within a mind, a body and a spirit experience. From what they said, that's not the case. And when I started to think about this, the thing is, is that like it, it makes sense because the thought process implies that a soul is not subject to evolution, but everything that we know from a micro scale to a macro scale is subject to evolution. So then the question becomes, why would that be any different from a soul? Well, obviously based off what they had said, it's not. The phases of a soul's evolution is designed for the fragments of the one to gain 
awareness of the self, because that was the whole point, right? And it happens in stages, as everything does. And the first part is understanding the internal workings of the self, and then you evolve to um, an internal awakening of the self throughout the different phases, okay? So in the very beginning, when the one fragmented itself from itself and souls were created, the first phase, and I always slash that with dimension because it's a very common word, of our soul's evolution started with what they called polarization of beingness. And when I tried to understand polarization of beingness, the answer that I was given was it's simply beingness separate from source, separate from totality. And it's experienced through what we would know as like elements or anything that would be comparable in this universe to what we would know elements to be on earth. When they said that, I was reminded of the phrase in the Gospel of Thomas when Jesus said, split a piece of wood, I am there, raise up a stone and you will find me there. It is I who am the light that proceeds over all. So I found that very interesting. Anyways, they went on and said that once this part, once this phase of a soul's evolution is complete, we evolve to the next phase, the second phase, second dimension, and we experience that as awareness of beingness, which they said was very comparable to what we know as like plant life and some animal life. And the lessons within this experience grants us an ability to evolve further in understanding the internal self because again and the world around us because again they said there's two phases right there's learning the internal workings of the self and having an internal awakening once you experience that for so long you graduate to creative consciousness and awareness of beingness and that's where they inserted terms like mind body spirit experience right and that's where we're at now. Like break that term down. It's you you have a mind, you have a body, you have a physical body, and you have a spirit. You have an essence about you. Every single person, for the most part. They went on and said the lessons within this phase is basically creative choice. Very much more complex than the first two phases, of course, but it allows a soul to consciously create and make choices. So keep in mind, in order to consciously create, not only must there be an illusion of separation, so we still have this illusion of separation from ourselves, from self, from God, from the one supreme being of all, but it does also require there to be a vast amount of diversity and dualism that's required, right? And, you know, I've said, I've always used the word dualism, um, never really interchanging it with diversity, but I've said this so much and so so many times people don't even know what dualism means mean is and it basically is it's it goes back to the polarization it's the opposite that everything is the same just to different degrees right they went on to say that when experiencing the third phase or dimension of a soul's evolution there's basically two choices within this experience you can choose to be in service to the world around you or beneficial to the world around you, right? The other fragmented souls that you interact with. Or you can choose the opposite, again, polarization, which is choosing to create in a a service to self kind of way. Equally important to remember is that like when you make a choice to be of service to others, a soul is granted the opportunity for the internal awakening of consciousness to occur. So 
you're going through this whole evolution and you may choose to do and create in service to the self for a long time until you come to that point where you choose the other and you choose to be of service to the world around you and the other fragmented souls of yourself, right? Now, this is not creating a God complex um, because I think that's really important to point out here too is there's a lot of people that have the God complex Well, we're all gods. No, we're fragments of the one supreme being of all. And so is our understanding for the most part. But when you make that choice finally at one point in time and space to be of service to other people, that's what allows this internal awakening of consciousness to occur. Now this I would ask you, because anybody that's listening to this has either gone through, is going through, has started at some point to have this awakening. Ask yourself if you're the one that's going through this awakening or if you have other people to compare it to. When you're awakening process started or when you can go back and pinpoint that were your choices to be more of service to other people um, in the world around you like did you go from one to another when you woke up because I think that's really important a lot of people that I've asked and even my own self-evaluation yeah that's pretty much what happened so they went on to say that once this awakening occurs within the third phase there and that choice is made to be of service to others the soul has the ability to start to graduate to the fourth dimension fourth phase and that is a phase of where they keep using the term like heart-centered awareness unity wholeness Um, and I think they describe it in that way heart-centered awareness because that's what we understand as love That's what we understand as unity. That's what we understand as compassion and wholeness. The fourth phase is the last phase of a soul evolution where we are in the physical, in that matter, where it's mind, it's body, and spirit. We collectively are entering that fourth phase currently as of 2023. And you can be in that fourth phase now because that's what they kept saying. Like you're not, the world is not splitting. That's not how this is done. What's happening is souls are, it's never a race. And you're evolving at your own pace. Like that's just the reality of it. But in the fourth phase, what happens is it allows the mind aspect to expand into further depths of the internal awakening of creation throughout all time and space. And they said specifically, this is where timeline shifting or multiple timeline awareness can be lived and experienced. That is really important. I'm going to say that again. In the fourth phase of a soul's evolution, it allows the mind to expand into further depths of its internal awakening of creation throughout time and space where timeline shifting and multi-timeline awareness can be lived and experienced. Again, going back to previous channelings, we're not entering the fifth dimension and this is this is why I... I believe that to be true they went on and said that we enter into the fifth phase or dimension of a soul's evolution in a non-human non-physical way as beings of enlightenment so the fifth phase fifth dimension is beings of enlightenment and that is where the term light being derives from these souls have then evolved to a point to assist all the other souls that are still in the third and fourth phase of their soul's evolution. The purpose of this experience or this phase, it develops a method by which a soul becomes a master teacher and you're still linked with direct interaction and communication with those on the third and fourth dimension, third and fourth phase. Very comparable to what we call ascended masters, spirit guides, master teachers, right? We do that for a little while. Then we evolve to the sixth phase. The sixth 
phase of a soul's evolution consists of a much more complex but similar task oriented compared to the fifth because in this part of your soul's evolution you have gained the ability to oversee and assist those in the fifth so in the sixth phase they're assisting the fifth phase who are assisting the third and the fourth phase and i often refer those souls to be very comparable to the council because they're like grouped together to assist the process of those who are guiding in the fifth as master teachers and helping those that are still in the fourth and fifth dimension right it's a fucking link then you have the seventh phase and in this particular phase i find it very interesting because they said that we compare this to the akashic records but at this point in your soul evolution you operate in all time and space as pure and complete knowledge of creation and the self so you've graduated at the seventh phase to a point where you're operating as a part of the fabric of all creation and the self so you're really like up there at that point apparently in the evolution of understanding the internal self and at this level you've gained the ability to assist everybody in the sixth and the fifth and it trickles down and the eighth phase is actually very important that's when a soul has another choice because the soul can either return to the one also known as the ninth phase right absolute oneness and totality or it can choose to become a creator of their own universe because it's gone through this whole evolution now it can be a creator of its whole universe and how often and how not often that works i'm not sure but obviously it does happen and that's why we have multiverses right and the cosmic tree of life has been growing ever since So all prior channeling that I had done since the end of 2019 mainly came through Sekhmet. There were bits and pieces where Metatron or Enoch, if you will, would come in, but he was more of like a director, you know, do this, do that, um, put this together. And Sekhmet was somebody who was really like a narrative and explaining things. But two years of channeling bits and pieces here and there and putting things together and and then finally obviously realizing that it was one big message on november 8th through december 8th of 2021 i was introduced to a being named sophia the other interesting thing i think is important to point out between those dates of november 8th and december 8th is november 8th is known as all saints day in some cultures december 8th is recognized as mary's immaculate conception and also in buddhism it is buddha's day of enlightenment so i thought it was very interesting in regards to those dates now there's little if any information out there in regards to who sophia is some people will say that sophia is jesus's twin some people will recognize her as like an archon and some people say that archons are demons and there's so many different theories out there about her when i was introduced to her and i tried to you know figure out who she was nothing suggested what she told me she was so sophia is a soul that has gone through all eight levels of her own soul's evolution and she is the creator of this universe 
More than 225 million years ago, pre-karma, Sophia loved her creation and the souls growing through and evolving in her universe so much so that she too wanted to experience it. At that time, the one supreme being of all and Sophia agreed and allowed fragments of Sophia's higher self, to which I call Sophia's children or the children, to descend into the mind-body-spirit experience or the third dimension. Now, the way that I understand this and a way that you might understand this as well is essentially she's doing the same thing that the one did in the very, very beginning. She's fragmenting fractions of herself down into the third dimension or the mind, body, spirit experience. She goes on to say, all is fragments of my higher self, all of which were females made in the image, made perfect, whole, and complete. However, as always, there were cosmic universal laws that were to be followed to maintain balance and harmony therein. One of them was to never interfere with the process of organic evolution, which was and is a soul's journey within the mind-body-spirit experience within my universe. Now going forward, I will refer to them as the organics. Just for understanding purposes, we are not separating, saying that one is better than another. It's just for understanding purposes. The children were not allowed to reproduce or mix their genetics with the organics. The children were designed with complete and matching DNA strands so they too could remain balanced and one with nature easily during their own experience. Because they were not allowed to procreate with the organics, but they were designed to evolve, they in turn were created with a prostate and an ability to ejaculate, thus procreate themselves. And yes, all females still have this capability today. Hence, to be female is to be both male and female, perfect, whole, and complete, made in my image. So what she's saying is that the fragments of her, the children that came down and descended into the mind-body-spirit experience as evolution was taking place. They were a different species. In regards to the whole prostate thing, I actually had to look that up, and science tells us, like if you look this up, science is going to tell you that females have a prostate, but it is dormant. To me, that sends off a red flag because everything that we know, kind of every every species, every plant life, every element, everything has its place, everything has its purpose. So why would females have a prostate if it's dormant and it's not to be used? But we'll get there. I'm just saying, I had to look that up too. She goes on to say, this allowed their soul's growth to continue without the need for interbreeding and disrupting the organic soul's growth and evolution. The organics were just going through their own soul's journey needed for their own soul's growth towards awareness of consciousness within my universe, organically evolving within this realm of existence. The children, being fragments of myself, they've already gone through all those experiences. The children were also required to live a matriarchal life, not by force, but by realization. Hence, they remained one within this mind-body-spirit experience of my creation and maintained the balance and harmony therein. Lastly, upon their descent to the mind-body-spirit experience, they were granted the gift of remembrance. Remembering all the sacred knowledge, 
obtained throughout my soul evolution, including the purpose of herbal medicines, rituals connected to the moon cycles, and all the wisdom obtained throughout my evolution that was used for the creation of my universe. The children's purpose was solely to experience the joy within the mind-body-spirit experience in perfect balance and harmony of my creation. The children are the original negative bloodlines, the universal bloodline, aligning with the Neanderthal era as they are an entirely different species within the mind-body-spirit experience. They are not demons, fallen angels, nor aliens. In time, naturally, the children did cross paths with the organics, and the organics were evolving as strong Cro-Magnum souls to give you a better idea of their evolution within the mind-body-spirit experience. The organics were evolving as male and female genders, as this is the design of my creation. However, the organics were not yet equal within their DNA, genetics, and soul's evolution when compared to the children. The children thought the combination of the two species would be beneficial to them both during their experience here and began to go against the cosmic universal laws that were set into place by interbreeding with the organics. This created an imbalance and disharmony, though it was never the children's intention, nor was it noticeable at first. The children's intention was to guide, teach, and help the organics learn the higher levels of consciousness and awakening during their journey towards living in balance and harmony with them. So the children sought to teach the organics all the divinity they inherently remembered from the goddess herself. The ancient tribes you speak of today were led by these children, as they were equally known as the first shamans who taught of dream interpretation, herbal medicines to cure diseases, and how they were divinely designed physically to be naturally one with nature. It was the children whose bodies followed the cycles of the moon, menstruating on the new moon, and the most fertile on the full moon. The moon and the rituals therein were used by the children in conjunction with their cycle to procreate themselves. These children thought teaching the organics would help guide them through their own soul's evolution quicker. Unfortunately, this went against the cosmic universal laws that were set into place by the one supreme being of all to maintain balance and harmony. The organics and the children continued to reproduce together, slowly creating more and more imbalances and disharmony within the mind-body-spirit experience. This continued, and so did a genetic mutation throughout generations and a clear divide within people began to form. When the children that were born from the children in the organics, there was a mutation from what you now refer to as the sex chromosome. Today you are taught humans have 23 pairs of chromosomes. 22 of them are equally matched. The 23rd chromosome is what you refer to as the sex chromosome. You do this because science says the female has an XX and the male has has an XY. The Y chromosome is shorter than the X. 
the Y chromosome is the mutation because the Y chromosome is shorter than the X chromosome and is only found in males. The accurate understanding of this was due to the combination of the two species of the children and the organics, thus the mutation that occurred and the flaunting of its secret knowledge by descendants of the organics within the number 223 or any variation of it. I'm going to say that again. The mutation that occurred, the accurate understanding of this was due to a combination of the two species, the children and the organics, thus the mutation that occurred and the flaunting of its secret knowledge by the descendants of the organics within the number 223 or any variation of it. The organics, genetics, and soul evolution had not yet reached a level of awareness and consciousness therein to make the choice to choose to be of service to others over service itself that they designed to experience as a part of their own evolution. They were unable to fully accept the children's way of living in higher levels of awareness in balance and harmony, though they still sought the teachings of enlightenment. As a result, not only did the organics begin to quote-unquote fall into what you call quote-unquote ego as they became lustful for the power held within obtaining my knowledge, they also suffered an internal mutation of genetics, confusing them along their soul's evolution. So as time continued, the organics began to feel threatened by a feeling of being lesser than the children, and I assure you they are not. It was at this time, 430,000 years ago, when the one supreme being of all created the council and the birth of karma was inserted in the cosmic universal laws. There was one specific teaching of knowledge that initiated the organic's obsession of the power held within this knowledge. Because the children remembered how to apply the moon cycles, the importance of them, herbal medicines to open up their energy centers, aka chakras, they taught the organics through a sacred sexual rite on how to rise their kundalini energy and the ceremony the children used and practiced to procreate. And in doing so, they were able to transfer the sacred wisdom from the children to the organics. Again, granting the enlightenment and power without the proper journey and growth never needing to take place. She then said, that is the true meaning behind the snake, the apple, and Eve. Women will always be born with the inherited goddess code. It is written. Now, in case you haven't made the connections throughout on your own, some of you might be wondering why I chose to include Amy's documentary first and foremost as such an important factor within this documentary. Most of us can agree that there are things within our society that just don't make sense. Whether you want to say it's the media, inserting concepts of incest, child pornography, sexual exploitation of women and children, canceling culture, canceling gender, the greed and misinformation we are bombarded with by the government or religious beliefs set into place, or a combination of it all, either way, most people nowadays will say things just don't feel right. From the horrifying and gruesome sex trafficking and child abuse scandals that are taking place worldwide, to what most people are aware of, and some including Amy refer to as the Illuminati or false royal bloodlines, this world tries to paint a picture that is conflicting to us on a core level and there's a reason why we are all searching for the truth. Up until this point, to my awareness, no one has talked about what I have unknowingly channeled and revealed within this documentary. And though 
I will never claim to be right or wrong. Just take all of this for what it's worth to you. But after all of the experiences I've had in my life, the following explanation is by far the only one that makes sense to me on a core level in every single area. I by any means am not claiming to have all the answers either. I definitely don't. But as you see, I do have a good understanding of the foundation and the formation of the absolute truth. I know I reference my book several times throughout this documentary, but trust me, that's not a plug-in. The first 13 chapters of my book is the story of my life and is available free online to anybody that wants to listen to it. However, within those chapters, there's a large portion focused on the reflection of my maternal background. My mother's father was indeed a Freemason and a preacher. Granted, I never knew him because he died when my mom was 12 years old, and the family refused to talk about him after that. But fortunately, I did communicate with him through spiritual communication in my later years. And come to find out, there was a deep, dark secret held within my family I was not made privy to know until my mother passed away in 2020. Now again, I can respect that for some of you, spiritual communication and information might not be enough proof. But I personally have surpassed that and equally have done so, providing the accumulation of my spiritual encounters validated and backed up with physical and tangible proof throughout my book and throughout my life. Regardless, I was advised that my mother's father had indeed sexually abused her, and that abuse that she endured was also performed in the same exact fashion that Amy and so many spoke about in depth throughout her documentary. Satanic sexual abuse and rituals that teach of God's wrath during said abuse. Now, this caused my mom to develop paranoid personality disorder, which was never formally diagnosed. However, she did have every single symptom and equally struggled for 36 years after I was born with an opiate addiction because of that trauma. And as we've come to learn, we know that information is passed down genetically. And we have also come to learn that there are certain people that have used that knowledge to pass down trauma genetically. And bear in mind, every single person has access to everything throughout their genetics and DNA. And when I say everything, I mean everything. But in the 13th chapter of my book, not only do I address the months before my mother passed, this was within an equal time frame when an extremely traumatic experience my son endured to break not only his own karmic cycle, but also the maternal trauma and generational cycle that had been in our family for centuries, 12 generations to be exact. Therefore, I have seen firsthand a karmic cycle be broken down and more importantly, a physical birthmark, otherwise known as cellular memory, erase itself from the body when that cycle was finally broken. I think it's important important to mention here as well that as I stated before we have to understand things on a micro scale in order to understand them on a macro scale but it was at the same time that Sekhmet was coming through with her messages again answering questions that hadn't even been asked yet nonetheless this is proof that when we break a karmic or a generational cycle when we harmonize and balance and imbalance not only is it yes embedded in our DNA but we erase it from existence, which to me goes back to the power we hold within that we have been kept from knowing for eons of time, and also 
every evolved soul that ever taught or tried to teach humanity, they always said the same thing. The answers are within. I beg of you to remember this through the coming years. Pay attention to anybody who tells you to look outside of yourself to seek a savior or follow blindly because that is a false idol or at the very least a very unevolved soul. Lastly, before I explain in my own words an easier way to understand these channeled messages, throughout making this documentary, my mother reminded me on several different occasions to make mention of a time many years ago when I took her to the doctors. This particular doctor became extremely condescending and arrogant when I dared to question his intelligence connected to my mother's medical concern and how he was planning to treat it. I recall him saying verbatim, you're smart enough to ask, but not smart enough to figure out the answer. Well, sir, I beg the differ. This is just another example of an experience where I realized at his response that he was deeply involved in outside organizations or practices beyond his medical practice front, comparable to what we saw within Amy's documentary, and obviously he's not the only one. This practice spans worldwide in every facet of society. Perhaps humanity's origins and our true story should go a little like this. As Earth was evolving like many planets do in different universes, there were souls who fractioned themselves from the one and then chose to evolve and learn here on Earth where everything was evolving equally. 225 million years ago though, Sophia, the soul who achieved the eighth level of her own evolution, decided long after the formation of her universe and everything therein was evolving to fraction herself similarly to the way the one did originally. So the fractions of herself, aka the children, could descend into the mind-body-spirit experience and experience her creation directly. Now again, because they were evolved both within their physical DNA and equally within their spiritual DNA, they were considered genetically to be different species, which I will remind you was and is the only thing that separates the children from the organics. Many different imbalances occurred throughout this time, yes, but the one we are focusing on today is the choice that was made by some of the organics who chose to be of service to self and everything that evolved thereafter. I think it's important to note here too that perhaps we should be looking a little bit more deeply into the Neanderthal time era. My research shows, and Google does also imply, the first discovery of the Neanderthal was in 1856 and interestingly enough in Germany. Not only that, but the current recognized Homo sapiens or Cro-Magnum species that was mentioned in previous channelings was discovered 430,000 years ago in France, which will also be of great importance when that truth unfolds. Nonetheless, going back to her story, the two species are said to have thrived alongside each other until roughly 430,000 years ago when some of the children decided to go against the cosmic universal laws and mix their genetics with the organics genetics or interbreed. Now throughout this time, the children taught the organics many universal teachings, but most importantly, the children showed the organic through a sacred sexual rite how they, a woman, because they were all female, can activate their serpent or kundalini energy and how that sacred energy can then be transferred to the organics, again only through the sacred sexual rite, which then allowed the organics to obtain a premature state of enlightenment or illumination. 
at some point along the way, aside from the mixing of their genetics and the imbalances that were caused throughout their internal evolution, some of these organics decided they wanted this knowledge and power only for themselves. It was at this point they decided to be of service to self and remain there by taking all the teachings and knowledge and devising a plan, taking a vow or an oath to do whatever it takes to keep this knowledge to themselves. It is very important for you to keep in mind in order for the organics and future descendants or generations of them to maintain this false sense of enlightenment, they needed these women, or rather women that carried the sacred genetics of Sophia's universal bloodline to perform the sacred sexual rites and rituals they were taught. This was the beginning of a time that by the accumulated choices and actions, the organics became trapped in a cycle. This is why they made so many references to cycles. This cycle formed out of greed, fear, power, and inadequacy, yes, but it evolved into pure hatred and acts of misogynistic narcissism and brutality of these women or women and children that carry the sacred genetic DNA of Sophia's universal blood or bloodline. Again, the growing need for power and control throughout time seems as though they decided they wanted complete control over this universe without ever taking responsibility of their created karma or their choices or going through their own soul's evolution to graduate to such opportunities. Thus, they are the ones who are trapped per se, but like any true narcissist, they will mirror that onto the world around them and allow you to believe a false reality and maintain a false sense of self. Now I will remind you again, we are talking about the evolution over hundreds and thousands of years. Today we use the term pedophilia, but pedophilia is an inverted or reversed version of the sacred sexual right they were originally taught. They have taken something so very sacred and distorted it into something so very horrific, maliciously using it against innocent women and children combined with the illusion of narcissistic and demonic power, and I would bet anything that these women and children have a common theme within their blood and their bloodline. We only deem it satanic based off of the centuries of their misinformation and controlled narrative of good versus evil or God versus Satan. We also have come to use the term gender reassignment, but the creation of this concept has been cultivated and evolved due to their desire, the organic's desire, to be women themselves and to remove women from their own birthright and genetic gender identity. Now, before someone wants to take this information and distort it too, I will clarify a few things first and foremost. I am not saying that all the organics fall in this category because the reality is, is we've been interbreeding for so long, hundreds and thousands of years. We are all equally both descendants of the children and the organics. So we can stop with this chosen one bullshit. Equally, I'm not saying that there isn't duality or polarization. There is, there has to be. What I'm saying is that within the world today, it is the way Catholicism had rooted itself, indoctrinated and traumatized society, being one of the most widely practiced and indoctrinated belief systems worldwide. Yet it is also equal to one of the most inverted and distorted teachings 
ever known to humanity because it's either forcing a distorted truth of the one supreme being of all or it's totally just not resonating with people and pushing them away from their direct connection to the one supreme being of all. It is absolute truth mixed with inverted truth or lies. Somehow along the way, I have developed the ability to understand a soul's journey. The understanding of a soul's journey must be done without judgment. Thus, I am not implying same-sex choice or gender reassignment is wrong by any means, because the reality is there isn't a wrong choice per se. We all have our own paths to take that are very specific to the lessons and karmas that we as a soul chose to set out to balance. What I can say is that most people I have come into direct communication with that choose either same-sex interaction, gender reassignment, or even relationships outside of their quote-unquote cultural race will always boil down to some type of trauma or sexual abuse they experienced either in this lifetime or it's uncovered that it was from a past lifetime. I would also like to reinforce that there isn't multiple races or species. There was initially only ever two. But again, there's tactics of divide. I most certainly don't judge anybody, including the organics that made this choice or continue to make this choice. And that is an example of living in a heart-centered awareness of mind, body, and spirit. Or as Sekhmet said, entering the fourth phase slash dimension of a soul's evolution. So getting back to understanding their controlled narrative and its purpose, they allowed themselves to be called the Illuminati, though they do not deserve that title because they are not authentically illuminated. They use sacred symbols not to elude their karma, but to solidify their masculinity and keep you running in circles for answers. So for example, the upward facing triangle, it's a masculine sign and the downward facing triangle is a feminine side. Thus the star of David, who is a descendant of Jesus and Magdalene's universal bloodline, represents the balance of the two. The left eye represents the masculine, the right eye represents the feminine. We've been conditioned to believe that it's satanic, but that is not the case. In most cases, they do not show us such signs and symbols to evade or elude their karma as some have come to speculate. They can't supersede the cosmic universal laws. No one can. They show these sacred symbols that they themselves use and allow you to assume they are satanic, but in reality, they themselves are the ones who make them satanic. Not to mention, they want to solidify their own masculinity and dominance as they have grown to lust for the ability to portray themselves as God. The term demon that so many people have been, again, conditioned to believe, don't have a full understanding of what a demon is. Clearly, amongst their evolution and understanding within science, they have reached a point where they understand how to create and access the deepest, darkest, polarized aspects of traumatized psyche. And by use of the inverted sacred symbology and teachings, they can activate this energy either physically or energetically. What Amy and others refer to as the Jesuits, I will remind you, is simply the evolution of the Council of Nicaea that was created in 325 AD. For those of you who do not know who the Council of Nicaea is, they are the religious group of only men who in 325 AD, as descendants of the organics, took an oath and made their choice, putting that choice into play through means of religion. And we have the creation of the Old Testament and the New Testament, thus they put together 
a false story of humans' origins and decided what was important, what was going to be followed, what wasn't going to go in there, and coded it with distorted truth and lies. And even though this goes back 430,000 years, at 325 AD, we have the growth of a controlled narrative. It was these men and their predecessors who granted themselves authority above and beyond all others and vowed to keep secret the wisdom of Sophia's universe and everything they were ever taught. The continuation of this controlled narrative was then brought into an entirely different level of control, including genocide of anybody that practiced outside said narrative. Now, this was going on long before 325 AD, but at this point, that's when it it got brought to a whole nother level. The narrative in the Bible talks about the beginning of creation or evolution and everything that took place after Adam and Eve were created and then removed from the garden. Let's keep in mind the infamous tree of life within this garden that is portrayed to be closely protected by Enoch. Yet Enoch's not really mentioned, and we didn't find books until, what, I think the 60s. But in their story, it all starts with Eve eating an apple because she was tempted by a snake. But this isn't just any snake, mind you. This is like a snake that's later referred to and recognized as Satan, or what becomes interchangeable with the term devil and evil. The devil, we learn throughout their story, is Lucifer. But who is Lucifer? Lucifer's God's brightest star, or the morning star, or Venus, by the way. For all of you people out there that don't want to say good morning, Morning because you feel as though you are saying something that is on a lower vibrational frequency. The morning star is Venus, who is represented as the goddess known as Aphrodite in Greek mythology. She is a goddess of love, and in some religious texts, it will state, look to the stars for guidance, and not to mention the prophecy of Jesus' birth, where it was the stars that guided the three magi, according to their story. But in other contradicting texts, it says astrology shouldn't be followed, it's demonized as witchcraft, and avoid it at all costs. But let's talk about about Venus real quick because she's also the star that every eight years of her transit through the sky forms a pentacle but an inverted pentacle is representative of what distorted practices of the goddess herself equally eight being the feminine number as it represents infinity and everlasting time in the shape of an hourglass or a woman and let's not forget the importance of the eighth phase of a soul's evolution the pentacle that just so happens to be the symbol of protection in paganism traditions and even man-made law enforcement we know today wears that symbol, which is the same star that we place on a Christmas tree to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Now, I won't go into the incorrect name timeline of his life and death, but you get the point. The star is a symbol that represents all four elements, the fifth representing spirit in pagan and Native American traditions, both cultures, mind you, of many throughout time who suffered severe genocide throughout the rooting of their controlled narrative in Catholicism. Greek societies became astonished with the phenomenon of Venus and her pentacle transit through the sky, so much so that it became the symbol of perfection, beauty, and love as they honored her eight-year cycle by using it in the organization of the Olympic Games. They did this because they realized if you drew a pentagram, the lines automatically divide themselves into the segments equal to the divine proportion and ratios within pi, making this the ultimate symbol and expression of masculine and feminine divinity. The very reason the five-pointed star has always been a symbol of beauty, perfection, love, and the goddess herself. Yet the pentacle is evil and a symbol of the devil within their implied controlled narrative of what we know as Catholicism today. And I'll remind you, when Eve is presented with this apple by this quote-unquote snake, the apple is too disguised as knowledge or wisdom. And I'll add to all of this and say the word wisdom is interchangeable with the name Sophia and integrated into the word philosophy.
So it seems as though within eons of time, the genocide of women or anything feminine within any and all cultures and the absolute truth of their existence and importance, Catholicism, which I'll remind you began in Rome, by the way, and any branch of its altered man-made, man-enforced system has gone through great lengths to demonize, confuse, and disconnect anybody to the goddess of wisdom and the one supreme being of all. Nonetheless, their story goes on to say they were punished by being removed from the Eden where the tree of life exists. And at that point in their story, they go on to imply that they could then see everything when they were removed from the garden. So all of a sudden they realized they were naked, suggesting that they were completely fine being naked before. Or perhaps it's described in this way as if to imply they became cognizant and aware of their physical bodies. If that's the case, this suggests that they had awareness at that point, but not before. Once outside of the garden, they could then quote unquote see. So they became mind or awareness and body because they saw themselves naked and spirit because they were still connected to source. But this all only occurred when they were punished and removed from the Garden of Eden or better described, removed from the ability to evolve in perfect harmonious balance because their choice to go against the cosmic universal laws now required karma to be factored in for them to return back to the Garden of Eden. If we recall and compare this story with what we know of Egyptian mythology, which is one of the main reasons why I believe I was introduced to Sekhmet and understand Egyptian mythology, the garden could be comparable to a time when all of evolution was evolving in alignment with the cosmic universal laws and karma didn't exist. Let's not forget the apple-shaped vortex and torus field and the serpent slash kundalini energy that Sekhmet was originally created as and spoke of. Again, like Sekhmet said, this is more accurately described as the point of time and space when that choice was made and karma was factored in to the third dimensional reality as we know it today. Additionally, their story of Adam and Eve's creation states that Eve, being the second wife to Adam, was created from Adam's rib. This is additionally and equally skewed to the narrator's own advantage because this man-made and controlled narrative continues to imply man good, woman bad, and not to mention women are implied as being disposable. So clearly there's an underlying theme here. All of this begins to make much more sense when you incorporate the cosmic universal laws set into place and the importance of genetics as suggested within Sophia's story. In the Bible, it suggests the importance of genetics several times in a few different ways, but specifically when it says it is written. Now, Sophia spoke those same words, but written where? Written in ink? Written in stone? No, it's written in our DNA and our cellular memory, just like Sekhmet suggested and my family personally experienced in 2021. DNA quite literally translates in Hebrew as the truth of the one God and the fire within. RNA translates to the translator of that fire within and mRNA translates to the messenger that goes back and forth between God and the fire within. Hmm. So your connection to source and your creation within the mind body spirit experience is written within your genetics and I will remind you how fire in Catholicism is also demonized and connected to the devil and hell but when you translate in the original language fire is sacred within all of our genetics and relative to one of the four elements held within the sacred symbolism of the star or the pentacle and lastly fire is connected to the kundalini rising and the authentic enlightenment and awareness of self 
that is a required stage of a soul's evolution. Might I just add on top of all of that, that everything we know scientifically suggests that in the womb prior to us being born in the very beginning of our formation and incarnation into this experience, we are first formed as females. Sophia's explanation of the mutation that occurs does help us gain a better understanding of why that would even be a choice a soul makes upon entering this life experience. It's all relative to your soul's journey in the balancing of karma. So is this starting to make sense now? They, the powers that want to be, are just the descendants of the organics. Not all of them, but those who made the choice a long time ago. They vowed to take and keep her wisdom to themselves, all while demonizing it to others. They took and used something that was once sacred, universal wisdom for all and made it secret knowledge, inverted truth, and Satanism. They have tried and continue to try so vigorously, maliciously, and inhumanely to keep this information secret through forced religion, conditioning, torture, mind control programming, and genetic modification. They who in secret continue to try to duplicate her goddess code written within the DNA to supersede the one and become creators themselves without ever needing to go through the necessary process of a soul's evolution to get to that level within their own journey to be creators of their own universe. They've created illusions of good versus evil when in fact there's just no such thing. The only thing they've created due to their choice is karma and the trauma they're in throughout thousands and thousands of lifetimes. All the wars, the genocide, hatred, greed, poverty, trauma, abuse, and separation was all a result of thousands of years of this imbalanced behavior, blind participation, and hidden truth through a man-made and man-enforced religion, society, and way of life. Any of the children's descendants or those who began to remember their true origins and walked towards the internal awakening of self were chased, hunted, burnt, prosecuted as witches, devil worshippers, and misbelievers of their man-made false concepts. Thus the annihilation upon anybody who dare expose the truth, as if that could stop it. I could go on for hours dissecting and connecting the dots within different religions, rearrange time spans of history and sacred texts to help reveal where the actual bits and pieces of truth are. But as you can tell at this point, this is not a simple answer. And as I stated before, many other people have all the other pieces the story. But perhaps that's why there's such a grand interest in genetics in the world today. Perhaps that's why the universal bloodline is the only bloodline that is unclonable. Perhaps this is why there's no public knowledge of its origins. Perhaps that's why there's been such gruesome genocide in the name of a patriarchal belief system. Perhaps that's why all things feminine are demonized and conveyed as evil or the devil. Perhaps that's why there's a mysterious obsession within bloodlines in the royal and elite families. Perhaps that's why they don't mind being called devil worshippers. Perhaps they don't want you to know that all things divine in this experience are of the goddess herself and allow you to continue to believe she's the devil so you never become the wiser. Perhaps that was the plan all along in efforts to keep all the power and knowledge and wisdom, everything that makes up Sophia's universe, to themselves. Perhaps by demonizing the absolute truth of her was the only way to keep it theirs for so long. 
Although I am aware most of what I'm relaying goes against everything humanity has ever been conditioned to believe and fight for within this experience, as always, the truth is the truth, and you'll feel the truth resonate at your very being. I'm also aware there's been mass conditioning to believe in good and evil. However, those are just walls that will continue to be dismantled as they no longer are serving humanity. This is the power they so desperately don't want you to find out that you have and have had within you all along because how could you not? It is written. And though I was advised to share all of this openly with those that it was meant to reach, my truth can be different than your truth because that's the beauty of diversity within this experience. I do encourage you to continue along your own journey, to find your truth, to break your generational cycles, and to erase your karma from the past. I will leave you with the last message I received from Sophia, which does offer a little bit of hope for the future of humanity. Starting in the year 2024, there will be a massive shift collectively starting in the United States but slowly migrating worldwide that begins to phase out the old ways of patriarchal living, ushering in the universal ways of life. You are seeing this now with more people practicing spirituality and aligning themselves with what is most suitable for them. Humanity's genetics are releasing more and more of my knowledge and the gift of remembrance that's been within them all along. They are stepping out of the patriarchal ways of living into a more balanced lifestyle in alignment with their soul's purpose. This is being done to make way for the future five generation of humanity's evolution to enter and evolve therein. Within the next 350 years, as you continue to evolve genetically and organically, all will break free from the generational cycles and karma therein, erasing the trauma from humanity as a whole, collectively returning back to a heaven on earth, garden of Eden, or heart-centered mind body spirit experience for both the organics and the children as it was originally designed. As you continue along this journey, this includes all lives created since then and therein that for thousands and thousands of years have been ruling over the collective's journey. These lives will continue to be exposed and all levels of knowledge and awareness will continue to be released within your genetic makeup through your DNA and brought into your awareness for there is nothing and no one that can halt or hinder its full manifestation. Sophia, Channel, December 8th, 2021.